All right, folks, go be great. Episode 13 is brought to you by the good folks at Hardo Sports. Um, it was good to catch up with the Hardo boys on Monday night. Got to see that Rams and 49ers Monday night football matchup in which the 49ers beat the Rams by a score of 24 to 9. Um, we'll get into that a little bit later because... Aaron Judge threw a wrench into my podcasting plans as he hits number 62 in game two of a doubleheader today, Tuesday, October 4th, 2022, a day that at least I will be remembering forever because Aaron Judge is now the American League home run leader. And obviously, folks, this has been a a big spectacle in sports now for the last couple of weeks. Aaron Judge, I believe, hit number 60. On Tuesday, September 20th, which was two Tuesdays ago, so 14 days, he has been having a chance to either tie or pass Roger Maris with the American League record of 61 home runs back in 1961, also the Yankees franchise record. Um, So a lot of those at-bats have been being broadcast everywhere. I actually was at school today in which... Uh, one TV had the game on on the Yes Network, and the other TV had on ESPN. Um, and the shows at, at the time of Game One were this Justin with Max Kellerman, and then a, an NBA show. An NBA show, excuse me, came on with Malika Andrews, Richard Jefferson, and Jalen Rose. And both times on ESPN, they took them right off the air and full screened Aaron Judge at bats. So I think it's pretty crazy. Um, that it's gotten this much coverage you know i've heard on the radio multiple radio stations that maybe wouldn't ever really be talking about sports not and specifically not baseball talking about aaron judge and how he's going for the record and how so cool you know that it's something like this is happening in this day and age and if you really go back and look at the all-time home run leaders because I know that people will say that Aaron Judge is now the leader, and I don't necessarily agree with that because at the end of the day, you do have to respect the numbers that are there from Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, and others um, that are you know now a little bit below Judge. But obviously, if you do look through those leaderboards, there are a lot of guys with 50-plus home runs in that little span between about 1985 and 2000 in which PEDs kind of took over the sport. Um, and like I said, I'm not saying that Aaron Judge is now the home run record, but it does mean a lot to Yankee fans regardless. And I think uh, for me personally, it is a season I'll always remember. Um I kind of went back and looked at some of the games that I went to over the year just to ensure that I didn't miss one. And sure enough, I did. And I'm glad that I went back and looked at these box scores, folks, because I go back to see that I saw Aaron Judge's first home run of this season, a season in which he hit 61 more home runs. I don't expect him to play tomorrow in game number 162 um, because the Yankees are locked into the number two seed in the American League and have the bye into the division series. No need to potentially have anything happen to players who will be playing in the playoffs. Obviously, someone's going to have to play, but I don't think it should be Aaron Judge. 
Um, just give them, you know, these six days to get right. Come back Tuesday, October 11th in the Bronx and be ready for game one. But I go back into the box scores and I see that number one was on Wednesday, April 13th, a three home run game for Vladdy Guerrero Jr. and a 6-4 loss for the Yankees. That'll be something I'll be able to tell my kids or maybe grandkids about how I was at the game to kick off the Aaron Judge all-time home run season in the American League. And I'll also be able to tell them that oh, that Vladdy Jr. guy, he was pretty good too. Three homers for him in that game. And I also got to see number 20 on June 3rd, which was a 13-0 win on a Friday night in the Bronx off of a pitcher named Elvin Rodriguez, I believe, who was tipping pitches. So that one was a good one. A couple of home runs in that game for the team in general and a, you know, a big win. Number 32 and 33 on July 16th in a 14-1 win over the Boston Red Sox. One of them being off of um, Nick Pavetta on a hanging breaking pitch. And then the next at bat, he came up and hit a ball about 445 feet over the bullpen in Yankee Stadium in left center field. That was awesome. And then just about a month later, I got to see number 48 off of Taiwan Walker in the Subway Series against the Mets. And that was also a big home run. I believe it was 455 feet or so, way up there into the bleachers. So... What a season for Aaron Judge it has been. He has pretty much carried this team down the stretch, maybe up until like the last two weeks. And it's been good because you know what? When he started to get close to this home run record, um, I think you could say that there were a lot of questions about the Yankees and that there was definitely some nervousness that he was, if he didn't do something, that the Yankees couldn't do anything. And that, I know that they've played a bunch of play teams that are out of the playoffs, but I feel like they've proved that wrong. Um, Judge has moved into the leadoff role in this time, and the Yankees have kept winning. And I was reading a stat that was posted between games because Judge played in both games of the doubleheader today. And he uh, did not hit a home run, obviously, in game one. They had posted that, in the amount of time that Judge hit one home run, nine other Yankees had combined for 17 home runs. Um, you know, just off the top of my head, Oswaldo Cabrera has hit six home runs since he was called up, looking good and probably deserving of the starting left, sp left field spot in the lineup for game one of the ALDS next week. Um, Oswald Peraza's first career home run, in game number one of this doubleheader out in Texas, which was pretty cool. Um, got to see that live on the TV at school today. Um, Kyle Higashioka, the home run Shroka, hit one in game one, and he's been hot over the last couple of days, which probably at least earned him one start, I would have to think, in the DS. I mean, I don't think even though I would be fine if Trevino caught every game based on the way the schedule looks, I think there's only one off day. I think it's going to be five games in six days. And being that if somehow it did get to game five, uh, they would be traveling after the game four 
which, yeah, they'd be traveling after game four from whatever city they're playing in back to the Bronx, and they'd be there would be a game the next night. So it's good to have two options behind the plate that have both been good with the pitchers behind the plate, but also that have been providing offense, not something you normally see in this day and age from the catcher position. So that is pretty good. Glaber's been hot. Um, Donaldson was all right for a stretch there. So there's a lot less question marks in the lineup. There are some question marks in the bullpen, especially um, should, you know, the games come down to a save situation, who the closer would be. Um, I think, you know, Wandy Peralta probably earned it for his consistency during the regular season, but he did get hurt in the last couple of weeks and did not finish the regular season on the active roster. He finished it on the IL. So his first game action back would be in the playoffs. Um, Ron Marinaccio also on the IL, who has been pretty good, never really in the closer role, but has been really good for the Yankees in those middle um, innings. So another tough one for the Yankees. They have some questions about whether to put Chapman on the roster or not. So like I said, all of this leads back to Aaron Judge. What a season. It'll be remembered forever. Um, And I just hope that he's not going to be going anywhere for the rest of his career because I hope, you know, I I ended up going uh, to the Saturday game against the Baltimore Orioles. Um, Obviously, Judge did not hit 62 at home, but it was awesome just to kind of see the spectacle of it. You know, the entire stadium got real quiet, everyone on their feet. Um, you know, a lot of phones out recording and, you know, they weren't over exaggerating on the broadcast. I know you've heard David Cohn and Paul O'Neill talk about how, and Michael Kay as well, talk about how quiet it has been. Uh, I mean, you could hear a pin drop in that stadium and there was a lot of people there on Saturday. So that was pretty awesome. Um, I guess one more thought about Aaron Judge and the Yankees. Um, You know, the playoffs, and I'm going to talk about the playoffs now. I know I didn't really even say what I was going to do for the whole episode. Obviously, you heard me already with the Yankees and Aaron Judge so far. Um, I'm going to talk about the Mets, and then I'm going to pick my entire bracket of the Major League playoffs, and that'll give me a chance to talk about each of these playoff teams a little bit. Um and then I'm going to go into football. You know, we have to look into my betting record from last week, which wasn't too good. I have picks to go out now for this week. Um, but before I do that, one last thought about the Yankees. I just hope we don't play Seattle in the DS. Um, you know, I know that Luis Castile will start this Friday in game one of their wild card series in Toronto with the Blue Jays, but that would only, you know, that would then make him next available to pitch Wednesday, which would be game two of the DS. I just don't want to see that team. I think based on that rotation, based on going there, you know, if you, if you're telling me that I have to go to one of Cleveland, Tampa Bay or Toronto, 
I feel pretty good about the Yankees' chances versus those teams and in those cities. I think that that's a raucous crowd out there in Seattle, and not to say that the other crowds aren't outside of Tampa. Um, but it's the best rotation, you know, one, two, three, four, I think, out of those other teams. So I don't like, you know, I just, especially the fact that Luis Castillo was on the trade market and the Yankees didn't get him. I don't want to see this team. I've been saying it now for the last month or so. Um, so we'll see how that all kind of shakes out before I do pick the bracket though. I also have to talk about Albert pools. Cause I did not on the last, uh, episode, Albert reaches 700 home runs. And it's kind of crazy to think that this would have never happened without the universal DH being, um, enacted in the national league this year, which, you know, it's kind of crazy to think about just the fact that he was in the right pl- in the right place at the right time in terms of his career. Um, also, you know, it goes without saying that he had an amazing season this year, 24 home runs he finishes up with. Um, he had an 8.95 OPS if he doesn't play in the last game against Pittsburgh tomorrow. Um, he only did that one time since leaving St. Louis the first time. So only one time did Albert Pujols have an OPS as high as he did this year in all of his years with Los Angeles, whether it be the angels or the Dodgers. Um, So I think that that is just the coolest thing. He has hit the lefties well, his entire career. And this season was no different, but he did, especially down the stretch, they started playing him against righties and he was just hot against everyone. Um, So that is pretty awesome. Obviously, the Cardinals have Yadier Molina as well. So two staples of this game, if you're my age. You know, growing up, Albert has been here the entire time. And he has been one of the best best players for at least half of my life. I mean, obviously, I wasn't really focused on baseball in the years between being born and like five years old or so. But. Between about 2005-ish, which I have the MVP baseball PlayStation 2 video game where Albert's on the cover. So maybe a little bit before that. But for those couple of years there in the early 2000s to the mid to, you know, beginning of the 2010s, Albert's one of the best hitters in the game. Um, So that's really awesome. Yadier Molina, like I said, has been there one of been there basically my entire life as the Cardinals catcher and Adam Wainwright as well. So that is a cool team to root for on the national league side going forward. Um, So that brings me to the Mets. Obviously there was a lot of excitement for the Yankees there and the Cardinals. And I would have liked to be excited about the Mets as well, but unfortunately they went into Atlanta for their second to last series of the season. And they were not able to get it done. They got swept by the Braves. And, you know, the entire the entire conversation in New York and around baseball right now is that the Mets blew the series or blew the division lead. And I don't think that's necessarily true. Um I listen, they did have a 10 game lead, but if you really go back and look, 
Atlanta went on like a 15 game winning streak right after that lead reached 10. And then a two week span, the Mets lost six games in the division. So for almost two and a half months, this has been a three game race, two game race. And then, you know, back and forth, two, three, two, three. And the Mets just had to go in and win one game in Atlanta just to keep their hopes alive in this last series. And then, um, unfortunately, like I said, they got swept. So the Mets then needed to sweep the Nationals and the Marlins had to sweep the Braves. But tonight, the Marlins lost to the Braves by a score of two to one. And I believe Kenley Jansen, if I heard the broadcasters correctly from the Miami Marlins, Kenley Jansen went to seventh all time in career saves, nearly had an immaculate inning. So shout out to Kenley. It's kind of crazy to think that, you know, that is like the closer of our generation. You know, I'm probably, I did get to see Mariano, but those were the later years. Um, So like, you know, this generation of players, this is the guy that's the closer. So Pretty cool to have seen that. I think the Braves have now won five NL East division titles in a row. Um, but the Mets don't have anything to be shamed about. Listen, like I said, they had a 10-game lead, but for most of the time it has been two or three. Uh, getting swept this weekend does stink. That doesn't mean the season's over. They have... They'd have to be very locked into their locker room and what's going on just, you know, with their manager and focusing on, you know, the wild card now. But I think they'd have to be pretty crazy to not hear any of this noise from people. And I don't think it's going to, I really don't think that them hearing what people are saying right now is going to hurt them at all I think it can only help them because in maybe in past years yeah like or if the Mets even are like a 90 and 70 right now then yeah you'd probably not feel too good about them but they're going to win 100 games I actually think that with this sweep of the Nationals today that they are 161 going into the final game of the year tomorrow so it's been a really good season for them Did it finish the way they wanted? No. I'm sure they would have loved to have that five days off and be in a five-game series rather than a three-game series with a team that is built just to get into the playoffs and then try to make a run at it in the San Diego Padres. You know, they had to have known starting this season that it was going to be a tough division to win out in the NL West. So what'd they do? Mid-season, it seemed like they could really go in for one of these wild card spots, and they wanted to try to utilize that spot to try to go to a World Series instead of just get there and see what happens. And they went out and got Juan Soto, so and Josh Hader as well. So they are a team that you probably don't want to play in the wild card, but I'm going to go into it in a second. I think. I think the Mets can really use all of this noise and put it forth and end up actually having a great postseason. Um, Jeff McNeil has had a really great year. 
He's a great defensive player, whether it be in the outfield or at second base. Um, Pete Alonso has quietly put up like 130 RBI and probably a top five season in the National League as a whole. Um, Francisco Lindor also having a great season after people were saying that he was a waste of money after his first month or so of his first year in the contract last year. Um, So that's good for them. Starling Marte is hurt, and I think that that probably doesn't help them much because at the top of the lineup to have someone who isn't going to strike out, uh, who can shoot a gap, who can steal bases like that, especially in meaningful baseball in October in Atlanta or now in October at home in a three-game series with the Padres, uh, that, that could really help. I mean, that's... Listen, baseball is obviously moving towards the launch angle swing and, you know, not as much stolen bases or small ball. But to have a player like that in October, I think, you know, baseball changes from those stats to winning, obviously, in October. And a winning player on the Mets and a player that will help them win, whether he comes back this season or not, that he'll be able to help them next year, obviously, is Marte. Uh, did not play in Atlanta, but hopefully, and I haven't really read much on him, hopefully he'll be back for the playoffs. Um, so I guess that brings me to my bracket prediction here in the Major League postseason. Um, last year I did not do one because I don't think that I had the Go Be Great podcast at that time. I think I started that in the beginning of this year. So no bracket last year, no bracket in 2020. But in 2019, I correctly picked the Nationals to go to the World Series. um, And they ended up winning it. I did not have them winning it, but that was pretty cool. That was a big choice. And now with the wild card being three games, um, who knows if that helps or hurts a wild card team in making a push all the way to the World Series. I think it's going to be hard this year because uh, the top four teams are really, really good. Um, so I'm going to start in the American League. The 4-5 is going to be the Toronto Blue Jays and the Seattle Mariners. The Mariners lead the season series five to one. Um, there was a four game series there at the end of July, or excuse me, at the end of the first half in July, where the Mariners went on like an 18 game winning streak. And so four of these games fell during that streak for what it's worth. All of these games will take, all of the wild card game ones will take place Friday. And that is going to be pretty awesome, I think, especially given the fact that there's not much going on on Friday nights right now. I mean, Thursday, obviously, there's Thursday Night Football on Amazon Prime. Friday, like I said, there's not much. Saturday, college football. Sunday, NFL. So Friday is a great way to have eyes on the Major League playoffs. Um, I'm going to read the odds. Why not? 
our good friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook doing the job as always. I wonder if they have them up yet because obviously the season isn't over yet, but all of these seeds are locked in as of the Padres game ending tonight, which they are up 5 nothing in the late innings over in San Diego. Um, I am looking, and of course, I don't have much on the MLB playoffs. World Series betting is available, though. The Dodgers are 3-1. to one. Houston is plus 380. Atlanta is plus 500. The Yankees are 550. And then the best team out of the wild card in the National League, it's the Mets at 950. In the American League, it's the Blue Jays at 1600. I was hoping to see maybe some series matchup bets or at least game one bets, but well, here it is. At least we have the series for the American League. So FanDuel has Cleveland at minus 120 to beat the Rays. The Rays are plus 102. The Blue Jays are minus 180, and the Mariners are plus 154. So on Friday night, it'll be Luis Castillo versus Alec Manoa. Castillo has been really good for Seattle since coming over. Manoa, I think, finished with a 2-2-4 ERA for the Blue Jays in his second season, which is really, really awesome. I think the biggest key to these wildcard series is going to be game one because in pretty much every series that I'm going to read, it's going to be ace versus ace. I you know, Some of these teams, like Seattle like the Rays, um, they've known that the wild they were going to be locked into the wild card, I think. So they have been get, getting a chance to have their ace for game one and kind of line it up. Not every team had that chance, but it still ended up working out, which is pretty good. Um, so it'll be Castillo versus Minoa in game one over there. I think whoever takes game one in every one of these series, like I was just saying, is going to win. Um, I had the Mariners winning, but kind of reading this, Manoa has is been so good. And then you get to game two, and Robbie Ray hasn't been as good in his first cousin, Kevin Gosman, excuse me, um, who has had a great season for Toronto, but did come out of the game in his last start with a cut on his index finger on his throwing hand. So that could be very interesting to watch. I'm going to pick Seattle still at plus 154. Um, And that's just because I think that I just don't want to face Castillo that bad. Like Castillo, I saw him shove against the Yankees twice and Manoa has as well this season, but If you look at both of those lineups, I just think top to bottom, the Mariners have a more full lineup. You know, at the bottom of that Blue Jays lineup, there's a couple of, you know, Espinals, and uh, I don't think Kevin Biggio is that good of a hitter. So we'll see how it goes over there. I think that's probably the biggest, I'd hate to, I wanted to say it's the biggest toss up of a series, but. I just think all four of these seasons, all four of these series are pretty evenly matched. Um, So in the other American League 
series in the wild card. It'll be Cleveland and Tampa. By the way, both of these three-game series will be hosted by the home ballpark. So Toronto will host Seattle and Cleveland will host Tampa. Um, it'll be Shane McClanahan for Tampa in game one versus Shane Bieber. Um, that's a really, really good matchup of two starting pitchers. McClanahan will probably be the AL Cy Young. Bieber has been the AL Cy Young before. Um, Tyler Glass now just came back from that injury from, if I remember correctly, last season uh, and started one game in the regular season and now is going to start in the playoffs. So that's going to be a big, big wild card, literally, in the series for Tampa because, I mean, you're putting your entire season's fate on a guy who has only pitched three innings in the regular season all year against Tristan McKenzie, the tall, skinny right-hander for Cleveland. And then in game three, it would be Cal Quantrill for Cleveland and Tampa. It would kind of just be like, you know, I'm sure they'd go opener and then who knows, they'd only had two starting pitchers listed on their projected rosters. And so that's why I have all hands on deck. Cleveland won the season series four to two and they won the last. It was not the last series of the season, but the second to last series of the regular season, Cleveland beat Tampa two to one in Cleveland. So I'm going to go with Cleveland in that one. Um, And then that brings us to the national league side. And I'm going to do the Phillies and St. Louis first, the Phillies, um, are all but locked into that six seed with a loss tonight. And now the Padres being up five, nothing in the late innings. Um, they will have to face the Cardinals. And this is another great matchup of starting pitching. Zach Wheeler versus Miles Michaelis in game one. Aaron Nola versus Jose Quintana in game two. And then Ranger Suarez versus either Jordan Montgomery, Jack Flaherty, or Adam Wainwright in game three. Wainwright has had a tough end to the season with a 7-3 ERA in September, Um, but obviously he has a lot more playoff experience than Jack Flaherty and Gumby combined. Um, So we'll see how the manager of the Cardinals, Oliver Marimal, I believe his name is, uh, handles that. Um, I'm going to pick the Cardinals. I think the Cardinals are the better team. I think going into St. Louis in October is really hard to win. Um, And given the fact that if you win one of those two games, if you're the Cardinals, that game three, you have Adam Wainwright either in the pen or as a starter against a left-handed pitcher, which means that Albert Pujols is God because he literally is in this season. He is hitting, I believe, 300 above 300 with a 695 slugging percentage against lefties. So he is having a monster year against lefties. I imagine that he'll DH all three games of the series. If not, he'll at least be in the game one lineup, I think. And then they'll probably bench him game two. And obviously, like I said, against the lefty Suarez, that would be an automatic start. Um, These teams tied in the season series 
three three. Um, all six games came in July before the All Star break, so I think it just kind of goes to show a how crazy the MLB scheduling is, and b um, that these teams are pretty evenly matched. I think that the Phillies have a great story. They fired Joe Girardi early in the year, and then Rob Thompson took over and has done a great job, has turned them around. Bryce Harper came back from injury, and I still think that the Cardinals just have a better story. They have a good team. The bullpen is a question mark, but I think they'll be able to take at least the wild card series and move on to the division series. So that would leave the Padres and the Mets. Now, the Padres have the season series 4-2 to two over New York. And this is the way that the starting pitching lines up. You Darvish and Jacob deGrom on Friday night. Saturday, Blake Snell versus Max Scherzer. Joe Musgrove versus Chris Bassett on Sunday in a game three. Now, wow. I mean, those are six great pitchers. I think if you look at every pitcher that I've listed so far, like top to bottom, those six are probably the best that you could have. Obviously, like I said, there's other good pitchers on this list. Shane McClanahan, Shane Bieber, um, Alec Manoa, Luis Castillo. All of these aces are really good. But you could make the argument that all six of those guys are aces, um, you know, if four of them are on different teams. So... The problem here is the fact that in those four games that the Padres have won, the Mets have scored like six runs, two of them coming against you Darvish, where Darvish has not given up a run against the Mets, or maybe it was one run against the Mets all season, and he went 14 innings in those two starts. So like I've been saying the entire time, game one is pivotal, and in this series, it is even more pivotal because... If you go down 0-1, you haven't hit lefties well all year. Blake Snell comes, and listen, I know that DeGrom, Max, and Bassett is one of the best three pitcher rotations you could have in baseball. But that doesn't make that does not change the fact that the Mets lineup still has to hit. And at least in Atlanta, they did not. Um like I was saying, Starling Marte coming back could help that. Um, I'm going to pick the Mets. It's not because of anything necessarily on paper. Um, listen, Jacob deGrom knows what's at, at stake. He knows that you Darvish is probably going to carve his lineup up. He has to get seven innings of dominant baseball. Baseball that, listen, the way the New York media talks about this guy is that he's not just the ace, that he's not just the best pitcher in baseball, that he is like another in another universe, another being. He's a different human being, basically. And he is when he's not injured, but he's been injured more often than not. This would be a massive, massive way to prove that not only is he that good in the regular season, and he's done it before. It's not, you know, the Mets, when he 
when the Mets were in the playoffs in 2015, which was the last time they were in the playoffs, he was a star in that and an emerging star at that time. But I mean, he hasn't done a whole lot in terms of meaningful winning since then. And not all that is his fault, but the Mets go down in this wild card series, people people are gonna lose their mind, especially Mets fans. Um so I think DeGrom has a lot of pressure going into this start to produce something that, you know, and more show more so it should be on the Mets lineup. But um wow, what a series that's gonna be. I'm gonna pick the Mets. I think DeGrom does a good job. I think Darvish will do a good job as well. Then it gets to the bullpen. I think both of those bullpens are good. I think the Mets are going to have to feed off of the crowd. They're going to have to get that game won. And then, you know, you'd like to take care of it in two games, obviously. But I think if it gets to game three, they have an advantage with Chris Bassett over Joe Musgrove, a slight one at that. But I'm going to go with the Mets. So that would leave in the of excuse me in the American League division series it would be Yankees and the Guardians Houston and Seattle um part of my reason I'm not going to lie folks for picking Cleveland is the fact that if the Rays win then the Yankees automatically have to play the winner of Seattle and Toronto and I think Seattle's going to beat Toronto and I don't want to play Seattle so I'll just let Houston take care of them um so Houston and Seattle, Yanks and the Guardians. The Yankees, kind of the way it lines up for them, uh, I imagine that it'll be Garrett Cole game one. Um, you can definitely make the argument, and not even, it shouldn't be an argument. Nestor Cortez should probably be the game one starter, but based on the fact that, Aaron, uh, excuse me, Aaron Judge, based on the fact that Garrett Cole is making $36 million this year, and that he still is having a good season. And it's just the fact that Nestor Cortez is having an awesome season. It's a good problem to have. The starters have been really good. Luis Severino, excuse me, had, um, in the last start went seven no-hit innings. I think he probably factors into the starting rotation and goes out there and kills it. Uh, he at one time was the number one in this rotation, you know, a couple of years ago, you go into the 2017 wildcard game. Who's starting the game? Luis Severino. Correct me if I'm wrong, but 2018, you go into the wildcard game. Who's the starter? Luis Severino. Against the athletics. I believe that one was against 2019. 2019, the Yankees didn't win the AL East. I don't, think i think they were the wild card three years in a row and i'm almost positive that severino has three wild card starts oh no they were the division leaders what a year and now to come and think of it the new york yankees will now have three of 100 win seasons in the aaron boone tenure after people, including me, were saying to fire the man. So 
I believe only two years in a row that the Yankees started Luis Severino in a wild card game, 2017 against the Twins, 2018 against Oakland. And so, you know, an interesting end to the year for him. They took him out of there with an injury that probably would have had him back earlier than when he did come back and then came back and did a really good job. Um, so I think it'll be Garrett Cole, game one, game two, Nestor, game three, Severino. That would be game four, then probably Tyone. And then game five, I think you go back to Garrett Cole with Nestor in the bullpen. Um, so as I have it, it would be Houston versus Seattle, Yanks versus Guardians. I think that would end up giving us a Yankees and Houston ALCS. On the other side, that would give me Dodgers and Mets, Braves and St. Louis. If you remember in 2019, the Braves were the division winner. The Cardinals were the wild card team. And the Cardinals won three to two. And they actually smoked Atlanta in game five. Um, and Atlanta has had a lot of postseason troubles outside of their one win, which was last year. And there has not been a repeat champion since I think they said 2004 on the radio today. And so I'm going to pick St. Louis. Um, they've had success in that ballpark when the, it goes to Atlanta and then you come back, you know, if you win one game in Atlanta in the first two, um, then you just have home field advantage against the Braves in St. Louis. And if you can do it there, great. If not, you've already won game five in Atlanta before um, and you can do it again. So, and I also think being the world series champion is tough for the Braves because, as I said, it has been hard to defend the World Series title in the last 20 years. Um, Dodgers versus Mets. Sorry, Mets fans, but I've got the Dodgers there. Um, so that would leave me with Los Angeles, St. Louis, New York Yankees, and the Houston Astros as the last four teams standing. Only change here is the fact that I have the Cardinals instead of the Mets, which is what I had. You know, I've had Dodgers, Mets, Yanks, Houston for a while now. Um, and I probably would have slotted Braves in there if I didn't believe in the St. Louis story and the fact that this team still does have, like, their starting rotation is good. Their lineup is good. And they have a lot of postseason success with these players. Um, and that's why I want to choose them to go this far. But I don't think they can take down the Dodgers this year. Um, so Dodgers still in the World Series, still as the World Series champion. Who they play, not sure, because I refuse to tell you that the Yankees will beat Houston. Um, right now, if, you know, if you're looking at it as a fair party, you would say that Houston has a lot of advantages over the Yankees, and you're right. But the Houston Astros have defeated the Yankees twice in the ALCS in the last five years. And I think that New York is a motivated team to especially not let their season end to these guys once again. 
Um, I think that they're going to rally around Aaron Judge and how good he's been. I think that they're hot in their own right. You know, a couple of guys have come over and played really well. A couple of guys have come up from AAA and played really well. And, you know, we've also had guys who have been here at least since the beginning of the year, if not for the last couple of years, who have produced. Um, so I'm not going to pick it. I obviously will root for the Yankees if that is the case in mid to late October. Um, but I still have the Dodgers as my World Series champ. It has been an awesome season in baseball. We got to see Aaron Judge 62. We got to see Albert Pujols re 700. Um, and now we wait for the best time of the year, October baseball, which has already started, but October postseason baseball will start Friday. Um, it'll be an absolutely an absolute doozy of a weekend. And then the division series will start on Tuesday here in New York. So I believe that will conclude my baseball part of the Go Be Great podcast. Um, and we'll move right into football. So another week in the NFL and another week that both New York teams take a dub. The Giants beat the Bears by a score of 20 to 12. The Jets, wow, what a win, 24 to 20 against the Steelers in Pittsburgh. The second time that the New York Jets franchise has went to Pittsburgh and recorded a victory. And it is the first game back for Zach Wilson. Um, wow. I want to start off with the Giants because uh, I was talking to some of my friends and I told them I feel bad that the Giants out of all four New York teams got the least run on the last pod. Uh, so I'm going to give my thoughts about them. Giants are three and one. Uh, big win in Tennessee to start the season. Then they beat the Panthers, which they should have beat. And then uh, last week with the Bears, a big victory. They lost on Monday night against the Cowboys, which I put the podcast or I recorded the podcast before that game. So I didn't, that's the reason I didn't talk about them in the first place. Um, the Cowboys are a really good team this year. They have won all of their games with the backup quarterback starting Cooper rush. Um, so I don't think the giants losing, like, first of all, three wins. I personally had the giants at like four and 13 this year. So off the bat, three and one, awesome start. Um, that's a good division this year. The Eagles are four and zero. Cowboys are three and one. Giants are three and one. Um, they ha still have a lot of work to do, but there seems to be a difference in. I hate to say culture, but at the end of the day, like. The Giants played plenty of one-score games last year and lost with virtually the same team and now have won three one-score games and lost one. So that's a good start. Saquon Barkley came back from injury to start the season. Boy, does he look good. He looks fast. He looks like his eyes are 
some of the best, if not the best in the league. 31 carries for 146 in his last performance. Daniel Jones had six for 68 and two touchdowns. Tyrod Taylor came in to replace an injured Daniel Jones and got injured himself, but also had three carries for 30 yards. Um, And the Giants are playing old school football. You know they're going to run it because they have no wide receivers who can get open. Um, And that's probably the one downside of the team. And guess what? You still can't stop it. I mean, between those four, uh, three guys that I mentioned, that's 40 carries for 250 yards, folks. Uh, that doesn't happen in the NFL. If you get 40 carries in a game, A, uh, that means usually that you're not a good team. And maybe the Giants aren't as good as three and one, but they look a lot better, and that's important. Um, Daniel Jones looks better as a passer. That's good. He always was athletic, and the fact that he looks as athletic coming back from that scary neck injury last year is also good. Um, he has not thrown many picks, so there's a lot of stuff that's improving. It's good to see because there is a lot of excitement in New York about football, and those are two great fan bases to be involved in the NFL season for once. So um, we'll see what happens with the Giants. They play in. London against Green Bay and the Packers and Aaron Rodgers this Sunday in the morning at 9:30. Um they are a seven and a half point dog. They are not on one of my picks this week, but I mean, after seeing what happened against the Patriots for the Packers this week, where Mac Jones did not play at all because of a high ankle sprain. Um Brian Hoyer went out early with a concussion. And then Bailey Zappi, who I knew of because I follow a lot of college football, and he was a Western Kentucky Hilltopper last year and had one of the most historic passing seasons of all time. Um, He ended up bringing Western Kentucky to a bowl. And then uh, I believe they had a big win in the bowl as well. Um, so Bailey Zappi makes his debut in the NFL, nearly beats Green Bay with a 66% completion percentage, 99 yards and one passing touchdown. Good for a passer rating of 107.4. Um, so that was pretty awesome. And that has to make you feel if you're a Giants fan that Daniel Jones or Tyrod Taylor or whoever the quarterback is and this big running system behind the offensive line and Saquon Barkley, that they might be able to get it done. Because in that game, like I said, only 99 yards for Bailey Zappi. The Packers came up and thought that the Patriots were running the ball. And guess what? The Patriots were winning the line of scrimmage. Damian Harris was going forward for yards. Ramondre Stevenson was going forward for yards and Saquon Barkley looks better than both of those guys. So I think the giants can keep that game close. Do I think they can win? Yes, I do because they have shown that if they're in that situation late in the game, that they can find a way to win now. So we'll see what happens there. But like I've been saying for the last couple of minutes, either way, the giants look better. And that is something to be happy about.
Now over to the Jets. What a win. But it was almost not a great day. Um, the Giant, excuse me, the Jets came out to a great start. Um, a couple of good stops. Uh, Mitch Trubisky starts the game for the Steelers, which he was then replaced by Kenny Pickett to start the second half. Pickett ended up with two rushing touchdowns, but also threw three picks. Um, not all of them were his fault. You know, definitely the one that ended up giving the Jets the ball when the Jets were down three points, um, 20 to 17 late in the fourth quarter. That was definitely Kenny Pickett's mistake. But at the same time, if you're Mike Tomlin, I don't know if I agree with the switch at halftime. Listen, is Mitch Trubisky the best quarterback I've ever watched? No. Um, but there is something to be said about someone who's a good game manager. And if anything, Mitch Trubisky is a good game manager. Like, he's not going to make the mistakes that Kenny Pickett made. Is he going to make some of those throws? Probably not, no. but. Is he going to turn over the ball like that? No, and I think for that reason, that's probably on the Steelers coaching staff as much as as it is on any player. Um, But still, the Jets were up 10-3, going down the field to end the half, and Zach Wilson made a mistake, threw a pick came back for three points because on the Hail Mary attempt, we roughed the passer and put the Steelers in field goal range. I know it was a 59-yarder, but of course it went in. I mean, the Jets gave him a chance to kick it, so it was always going to go in. Um, then they go three and out. I don't know. Excuse me. They throw a pick, and it goes down to the three-yard line. So all of a sudden, the Jets had such a great half to be down by three points uh in the early part of the third quarter and i think that that those bad feelings of the way that the last couple of possessions went lingered in the third quarter and the pa- uh, patriots the steelers scored the jets couldn't score and all of a sudden you're down 10 in the fourth quarter and it gets to fourth and seven on the steelers side of the ball and how many times as a jets fan have i f- been watching this team And the Jets are mathematically still in the game. And they're looking all right. And they can, you know, with a fourth down conversion, now they're in the red zone. And if they go down three and get a stop, maybe they can win the game. There's been so many times where I've said that to myself. And on fourth and seven, we get sacked. We throw a pick. We fumble. Whatever it is. But. Not to, on that day, Zach Wilson finds Corey Davis on like a, I don't want to call it a bang eight because I don't think that's what it was. It was just like a deep slant to make sure he got the first wide open for 30 yards. Um, just wow. I mean, first of all, the fact that Zach Wilson bounced back from the picks and from a bad completion percentage in the first half to look good and finished with a 50% completion percentage was good enough for me. Uh, Two touchdowns on his final two drives to win the game 24-20. to Awesome. Corey Davis getting open on the last two drives. Awesome. Um, We got to work on some drops, but the Jets are 2-2. Like I was just saying with the Giants, there's improvement. 
there's meaningful football and it feels so damn good. The Jets have the Dolphins this week. And that means that they will face a backup quarterback because, and I was getting to some headlines, which they are definitely a couple of them. Um, Tua Tagovailoa went down in the Thursday night game after the week before he went off the field with what was at first called a back injury, then a head injury, then a back injury again. Um, went back in the game and finished. A lot of people said he shouldn't have played Thursday. I don't necessarily agree with that because at the end of the day, whatever he was told, I don't think he was told like, oh yeah, like at the end of the day, he's a football player. He knows what the risks are of going out on that field every time. Whether he went down with an injury last week or last year or last decade, that any play you can get a concussion any play you can tear your like it's a scary thought if you think about it every damn time you go out there but it's true you can hurt yourself it's a physical game so as unfortunate of a situation it is for Tua it is a pretty good situation for the Jets to not have to face him because that at least you have to think changes the way that the Dolphins offense is going to be operated. I know Teddy Bridgewater is probably the one of the best, if not the best backup quarterback you could have in this league. Um, and I don't think we're going to be able to guard Tyree kill or Jalen Waddle, but this at least gives you a better chance than you have. If your starters out there, right? I mean, that's the way I'm thinking of it. Um, so I'm going to get into the headlines now after those quick little recaps of the Giants and Jets Sunday and then just some overall feelings about them going forward. Um, I mentioned Tua. Like I said, I think he knows the risks of going out there. I think that the doctors probably told him what the risks were of going out there, and he elected to do it. Uh, they won't speculate on what happened to him. I think that's probably the scariest part is the fact that they still haven't announced what exactly his injury was, because that must mean that it's pretty bad. Um, my guess last week was that it had something to do with the back and I was clearly right. Um, the video and watching it even live was pretty scary with like his fingers kind of tensing up. Uh, so I really hope that he is okay, first and foremost. Um, NFLPA will still be investigating into this, just like I said last week, just that there's a lot more stuff to think about and to look over now with the fact that he played four days later and then went down and got taken out of the game. Um, I mean, I think even though that injury has nothing to do with the fact that Thursday night football is still unsafe for the players because like I said, head injuries can especially can happen at any time. I hope that this is the last season we have Thursday night football. I understand that prime has it now as they're like, you know, they're the sponsors of it or whatever, but clearly it is unsafe for these players to go out there after playing on a Sunday to play on a Thursday. It's very simple. There's enough money in the NFL that it doesn't have to be like that. 
Um, and so I just wanted to mention that part of the whole two of thing, even though it necessarily had nothing to do with each other. Um, JJ Watt. I don't know what JJ Watt's doing. Uh, <laughs> so he tweets on Sunday that he went into AFib, which atrial fibrillation is when your heart has an irregular beat and you are at a higher risk of stroke or heart attack at that time. Um, JJ Watt gets his heart shocked back into the correct rhythm and then plays three days after with a nine month pregnant wife and already having a great career. I don't know what he thought he was. I I know he loves football. I know that the family loves football and that they have three brothers in the NFL. Like I get it. I really do. And you don't know anything else, but being a football player. I do. I get it. I do. But is life that valuable to you, especially after having such a great career and like your family is set up with money. So I don't understand why you would play any game ever again after that, but let alone three days after. Um, So that was another interesting headline. Um, I mentioned Bailey Zappi. I think he should start next week. Uh, I don't think bringing back Mac Jones after a week and a half after a high ankle sprain is a good idea. All of the reports say that Mac Jones is a nut job and wants to play. Um, But I think they should play Bailey Zappi against Detroit this week. Um, The Eagles are 4-0, like I was mentioning before, the Giants. The NFC East is suddenly a good conference with three good teams in it. Um, Jalen Hurts looks really good. Miles Sanders looks really good. But most importantly, the defense has had some great performances. Um, They kept the commanders to eight points. I believe they kept another team to seven points. The Jaguars came out to a good start. Um, Then the Eagles came back and won that game. The Lions are in a high score with everyone. So... A good start to the Eagles season, 4-0. I believe they play the Giants at the end of the season, both games. So that'll be fun. Um, And we'll see if they end up being a front runner in the NFC this year or if this is just a good start. And then some fantasy news, I guess, and as well just injuries in general. Uh, Cordaro Patterson of the Atlanta Falcons, if you had him, He'll be out a couple weeks on the IR, but I'm sure that Tyler Algier, the backup, is available in your league. You should go pick him up for the four or five weeks that Cordaro is out. Um, Justin, excuse me, Justin. Jonathan Taylor is questionable for tomorrow night's game against the Broncos in Denver, I guess for what it's worth. Um, Javante Williams tore his ACL. He's out for the year. I would pick up Latavius Murray. He just had a good game uh, for the Saints, but then because he... So the Saints had him on the practice roster, and then with injuries to Kamara, you can elevate your player from the practice squad, but if you do that, he goes right back to the practice squad after the game, and when that happens, 
if someone wants to sign him to their active roster, they can do that. So what happened is the Saints elevate Latavius Murray off the practice roster to play the game in London. He reverts back to the practice squad after the game. Javante Williams tore his ACL later in the day, and the Broncos have now signed Latavius Murray. I think it would be a good idea if you had him to waiver wire pick up Latavius Murray if he's available in your league. Um, and then I guess one or two more of those injuries that are kind of important. The Giants, Danny Dimes and Tyrod Taylor both had injuries in the second half. I don't think you'll see Tyrod after the concussion. I think you will see Daniel Jones, um, but definitely something to monitor because I'm not sure who the backup is outside of Tyrod Taylor. And then Miles Garrett had a one-car accident. I still haven't seen a lot on this. I'm guessing it was just a speeding thing. But I, I don't understand the whole, like, I really don't, especially not after uh, Henry Rugg situation, like, why these guys are not focused on the road with, when why you're not focused on the road in general makes no question makes no sense to me but especially when you have like a lot of shit to live for and you're an NFL player and you're making like why you're speeding and texting while you're driving I have no idea but he missed the game last Sunday we'll see how that affects the Browns going forward if he plays next week or not um, so those were all of the week four headlines for the NFL. As we look ahead to week five, um, this is going to be the final segment of the GBG episode 13, um, which is the betting segment. So rough week last week. Uh, I went one and three in the NFL. I had the Saints in London and. Jameis Winston got ruled out after the podcast was released. So that's tough. The Dolphins lost to the Bengals. Shortly after I released the pod, I realized that I was probably just not a good bet, given the fact that the Dolphins were 3-0 and with all of the, like I was mentioning on the pod anyway. Um, you know, 3-0 and all that. I don't even, I feel like I wrote down that I had the Dolphins on my sheet and maybe had the Bengals on the pod, I, I really don't remember. And I'm not going to go listen back to it. So I'll just take it as the L. But when they were driving down the field in that game, Mike Gesicki had a chance to catch a hot route throw from Teddy Bridgewater. And a hot route throw is when you as the receiver know that you're uncovered and the quarterback also, you know, one of the biggest jobs for a quarterback is when you get to the line, I need to assess where I think the guys are going before the play starts. Like I'm not just going to snap the ball and then look at the defense. So one part is to look to see, all right, what coverage do I think they're playing based off of the way everyone's lined up? All right, now let me see who's going to blitz. And once you start counting, if they don't have five guys to cover five receivers, well, someone's the hot route throw. And on that play, it was very clearly the tight end. Now, I think the way 
that they disguised it. They made it look like they weren't going to have five guys covering and that it was going to be a wide open throw to Gesicki, or maybe it was a zone blitz and the safety was still chilling there back behind Gesicki, but it still would have been a 10 yard gain. Never looked for the ball. It was a pick. The game ended after that. Um, so that was a loss. Seahawks, I had a plus six and a half. They went down to like plus four because Amon Ra, St. Brown, and DeAndre Swift both missed the game for Detroit. Seahawks ended up winning 48-45, and the Rams put up a stinker. I did not know the fact that the 49ers have won seven games now in a row against the Rams in the regular season, um, and I probably should have. So that's on me. So just like Tim Tebow, I vow to play harder and play better the rest of the year. Um, You'll never see someone work as hard as I will. And I will give you my couple of picks. I like pretty much every primetime game this week. I don't know what it is. Um, I'm not even sure who Monday night is, though. So I'm going to go through my top three in confidence. One, two, three. Um, and then I will do my two primetime games that I have, and then I'll do college. Um, Bills minus 14 versus the Steelers. The Steelers are going to start Kenny Pickett. Uh, the Steelers had one good quarter in that game. They aren't good. They played the Jets. Listen, the Jets and the Bills, there's still a big difference. Uh, the Bills... Had a great comeback win against the Ravens last week. They're going back home to play in front of those fans in Buffalo. Minus 14. I just think that the Steelers' defense is not going to be able to stop the Bills. Like, Zach Wilson looked good for a couple quarters. Josh Allen's better. The Bills' wide receivers are better. The offensive line is better. Um, And I think the Bills' defense is better than the Jets' defense. And we won by four points, and we could have won by more. So I've got Bills minus 14 just based on that I think the Steelers are bad, and I think the Bills are good. Um, Vikings minus seven versus the Bears. Kirk Cousins has covered – excuse me. Kirk Cousins has won. Not sure about the coverage. The last three times he started against the Bears, um, I think the Bears are bad, and I think that – the Giants just beat them by eight points, right? Like, so now the Vikings are at home. They're playing a divisional opponent. They have a way better team than the Giants. I like the Giants, guys, like I've been saying. But, I mean, let's just be real here. There's not one player on the New York Giants that can say that they are Justin Jefferson or near him in any capacity. They might not even have a guy that can say that they're as good as Adam Thielen or K.J. Osborne. So. That's three tough options in the passing game for Minnesota to deploy against the Bears, who just haven't looked that great. I think they have a big leash on Justin Fields, and maybe he's not that good anyway. Um, So I'm going to go Vikings minus seven as my second highest confidence pick. And last but not least, I have over 44 and a half for the Texans and the Jaguars. Uh, The Jaguars have shown that they have a good offense, and I'm honestly a little bit surprised. The Texans are 0-3-1. 
Uh, and they have one game, I believe, where they got shut out. But in the other three games, they have averaged 21 points. Um, so I just think if the Jaguars can put up four touchdowns, the Texans should be able to put up three. You get 48 points. Um, and I I honestly think there's a potential that the Jaguars put up more than 28. So just making it less for the Texans to have to do. Um, in primetime Sunday night football, the Ravens play the Bengals. They lost both games to Cincinnati last year. Uh, they are two and two, but they've only been trailing for 14 seconds of game time. Um, and I think this is just the pivotal point of their year. Like either you're going to be the team that blows leads all season and you're going to not be living up to your potential and either skid into the playoffs or not make it. Or you respond to whatever happens in the locker room this week and you blow the doors off of a bad Bengals defense. Excuse me, I don't think they're that bad, but there's only two players that I think are good. So um, I think that they're just not going to blow three leads if they have a lead, and I just don't see a scenario where Cincinnati is blowing them out again. Like, not only did they win two games, they won two games by three touchdowns both times last year. So I think that this is one that they have been circled on the calendar for a while. Um, And I would put my confidence on this game between one and two. So between the Bills at minus minus 14 and the Vikings at minus seven. Um, The final one is Thursday night football, Broncos against the Colts. I've got Broncos minus three and a half. Um, I think it's really hard to play in Denver. And I think the Colts aren't that good. I think that the Broncos defense is good and that the Colts have shown an ability to get shut out. Like they have literally been shut out, but they've also had a bunch of games where their offense still didn't look good. And either they, you know, they had a fluke win against the chiefs. Um, And like I said, I I'm honestly placing a lot of this confidence in the pick in the fact that it is really tough to play in Denver and getting used to that altitude and the fact that it's Thursday night doesn't help. And so I would like to pick the Broncos minus three and a half. I would put them somewhere between the Sunday night pick and the Vikings. So like a, a, I guess a one B between the Ravens and the Broncos um, as the second confidence pick after the bills. So that's five picks right there. Bills minus 14 um, Ravens minus three Broncos minus three and a half Vikings minus seven over 44 and Texans Jaguars in order in terms of confidence. Um, We'll see how we do there. One and three is the record so far. And that will have me rounding out with college football. Um, Game day is going to Kansas this week after Kansas won my plus 135 money line bet and are now 5-0. and They're ranked. It's awesome for college football because this is another – this is a team that does not often have anything to do with college football, and 
you know, the story of the season. And now college game day is going there. And it is a ranked big 12 matchup that has nothing to do with the other game that's going on in the big 12. Well, one of the other games in the big 12 that's going on, which is Oklahoma and Texas. That's usually the big 12 ranked matchup. So to see two teams that have a legit chance to factor in to a bowl season is awesome. Um, So I went one and two last week. Not that good. You know, obviously between the NFL picks and the college picks, I went two and five. Not good at all. I have had a pretty good season generally, and this was the worst week I've had. So hopefully I get back on the right side of things. Um, UNC, I gave out the line as 50 and a half, and it was that on Tuesday but it finished at 55 and a half. And what I will say about college football is the NFL sees so much handle that the lines are so good in this sport, like in one of these games, even if it's the biggest game of the day, like Tennessee and LSU, which is one that I'm going to pick. It sees probably 15 to 20 times less handle on than any NFL game. And so there's a lot of times that you can find a line like that where it's really off. and um Obviously, the game ended up only having 51 points. Um, and so it would have been over if I bet it on Tuesday, but I didn't. So I'm going to count it as a loss. Um, so without further ado, Tennessee minus two and a half at LSU. I think that in the trenches, this is no match. I also think that Hendon Hooker, the Tennessee quarterback, is a legit dual threat quarterback and that LSU has not faced anything like that all year. Uh, They've played close games against bad teams like Auburn. They lost to Florida State. Like, I still understand. And they were also down to Mississippi State for 35 minutes. Um, I don't think they're good, and I think Tennessee will just run all over them. Tennessee's favored by two and a half. I would jump on that before it goes over a field goal. UNC versus Miami money line plus 140-ish. This has everything to do with me being a UNC fan and nothing to do with what I've seen on the field. UNC's defense can't stop anything, um, but Miami's offense also hasn't looked that good. Miami's defense gave up 405 yards to Middle Tennessee the last time they played, but there has been a bye week, so I'm sure that Mario Cristobal and the defensive coaches got together and really got after this defensive unit. But Drake May has looked so good that I want to buy into UNC and, you know, see them go to a bowl this year. Um, And so I'm going to pick UNC Moneyline based on that I don't like Cristobal, that I don't like Miami, and then I'm a UNC fan. Uh, So ride with me if you will. If not, I respect it. And finally, Kansas State minus two and a half uh, versus Iowa State. Iowa State just lost to Kansas, and Kansas State is better than Kansas. Um, Deuce Vaughn and Adrian Martinez. So Deuce Vaughn was the running back for the last couple of seasons for Kansas State. Really good player. Adrian Martinez transferred from Nebraska to Kansas State, and he also is a nasty dual threat quarterback. I think 
that these guys are going to run for like 250, 300 yards combined on Iowa State. And I don't think that Iowa State's offense is going to be able to match it. Um, so there are my picks, Tennessee minus two and a half, UNC money line, Kansas State minus two and a half. Um, and wow, I guess that's all. I I have work. And so I recorded this Tuesday, October 4th in the late hours of the evening as I was making sure that I had everything I wanted to say. And then Aaron Judge hit a home run and then, um, you know, wanted to make sure that the Padres and the Phillies results were going to stay as they were. And they did. So that helped me pick my postseason bracket. Um, and I have work tomorrow. So I was hoping to and it's early as well. I was hoping to get a quicker podcast in there for you guys because I know I have to do better of putting out shorter episodes so that you guys will all listen to them and listen to them till the end. Um, and please feel free to respond to like shit that I'm saying or call me out if you don't agree. My Instagram is michaelcontento underscore. So, um, you can get my the spelling of my last name from the podcast, so I'm not, I don't have to spell that for you. That's nice. Um, my Twitter is MikeContento23. So if you guys want to get at me, go ahead. Um, I know I've mentioned like uh, an email system. I really should try to look into that so that I can have more interaction with you guys. And obviously, a lot of you guys are just like my friends, so it's really cool that. You guys are still interacting with me via text or, you know, I, I saw a couple of texts of people riding my picks on Saturday from, you know, and I ne didn't necessarily think they were listening to the pod at all. So that was pretty cool. Um, so I really appreciate you guys. Um, I'm, you know, I'm doing a lot better right now and I feel the energy to record, you know, more than just once a week. I'm going to keep it to once a week because I don't want to overwhelm myself or, you know, have one week where I'm doing two and then one week where it's tough to put one out. And I just want to stay consistent with one for now. If the time allows me to do two, well, I think it'd be pretty beneficial because, you know, on a day like today, maybe I could have went into more depth with my baseball stuff and done one baseball episode and then done one football episode and put that out at a different time. Um, so maybe if I am able to get into basketball this year, that's something I'll toggle with. We'll see for now. This was go be great. Episode 13 presented to you by Hardo sports. We'll be back next week with, uh, the wild card results looking ahead to the DS and probably we'll have at least results of game one back by then. Um, Go Yankees, go Jets. I'll root for the Giants and I'll root for the Mets as well. As we come down the stretch of the MLB season, start the playoffs and head into week five of NFL. So I'll be back next week to, like I said, talk about the baseball stuff. Talk about week five of the NFL, pick week six. And I believe that is all. Thank you guys for tuning in. And go be great.